And now for the major announcements. Da, 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 da. Oh, Marcus, for years, listeners have been urging with us, pleading with us, begging us to run Wellness and Couch events in their own hometown and not just in Melbourne. Well, get ready, folks, because in 2018, there's not one, not two, but three major events coming your way. The Wellness Basecamp is our brand new one-day event featuring your favourite Wellness Couch podcasters in your very own home state. In 2018, we are coming to Brisbane, Adelaide and Kiama, just south of Sydney, for one inspirational day of health and wellness. Oh, incredible lineups to MP. We've got the Up for a Chatters, we've got Joe Witten, we've got Fuad, we've got Kale Brock, Audra Starkey, the incredible Marcus Pierce, Brett Hill, and so many more. Now, seats are strictly limited to these events. The Wellness Base Camp is not a big Wellness Summit 1,000 people job, so do not muck around. No, you've got to get in quick, MP. The Early Bird 2 for 1 tickets are now available. Best Christmas present ever. To book your tickets and for all the information, head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Welcome to Best Me Radio. Today, I am your host, Paula Chavarri-Escobar, and I will be interviewing your usual host, Carl Hamilton. Today, I get to ask him your questions to provide you with the information, inspiration, and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Carl has been in the health and fitness industry for 15 years. He has been actively involved in corporate health, health retreats, presenting health and fitness seminars around Wellington and in other areas, and is the founder of the holistic health initiative Best Me. Carl has completed a diploma in exercise science and a bachelor degree in sports and exercise, majoring in exercise prescription through Massey University. Carl has continually upskilled with chick studies and is, amongst other qualifications, Dorm Method PTA Global, Mind Practitioner Trained, Dry Needling Certified, PH360 Certified, Multiple Brain Integration Technique. Um, so welcome to the show, Carl, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, and it's quite nice to be on the other side of it for a change, especially mm-hmm. with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, is there anything that I missed out on and you would like to add? Yes, um, I am also a founder and um, director of uh, HealthFit Collective, and my role there is as academic director. And basically what that means is I look up trends and where I think the industry is going, um, and I try and find research on that to see if it's valid, you know, um, the good, bad, and the ugly, and then I put it into a digestible format for our members, our online subscribers, and also our staff. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> So today um, is all about your listeners and we want to ask um, their questions. So I will jump on straight into one of a question from Dale. Um, she said, how did you st- get started in the industry and what led you to take the direction you have taken? And I will combine this question with one from Pavathe as I feel um, this will go, you know, really nice together, is she asked, if not for the health and fitness industry, where do you think you have been? Okay, thanks for those great questions, Dale and Pavathi. And I agree, these questions go, you know, very nicely together. So firstly, Dale, how did I get started in the industry and what has led me to take the direction I've taken? Um, I'm just going to take a little step back and I'm going to go back to uh, my family and the way I was raised. I was raised in a very physically uh, or a, a family that was very um, had a lot of emphasis on physical prowess and you know, and sports and being good and strong and fit and healthy and things like that. So that's where my passion for movement and health um, came about. And I guess uh, something happened to me at school, which is quite interesting, where um, and this sort of uh, answers some of Pavathi's question as well, is I actually. I was I was I was going to go down to I was really passionate about two areas in particular. I really enjoyed uh, exercise science and human biology. Then on the other side, I really enjoyed uh, creative work. So I love doing art, design, architecture, and funny enough, I actually had a really bad injury uh, playing rugby, mm-hmm. and I broke dislocated my thumb, and it, t- it was quite complicated. It took a lot longer to heal than expected, and. I was quite good at art at the time. Actually, I got an award um, the year before for, um, for for the top award um, for art in the school. I was really enjoying it. 
and it was my dominant hand that I broke. And I was actually unable to do my art and design work accurately. I was encouraged by my art teacher at the time to, to do it with my left hand, mm-hmm. but being, I guess, a perfectionist at the time, I, I didn't really want to compromise on that. And I really wish I took that challenge on now looking back. Um, and funny enough, I was actually able to do PE with my arm in a cast for a, <laughs> a couple of months. So I still excelled at my PE and my you know human biology and uh, science, but my art and design suffered. And I almost, at the time, I guess that guided me more into the physical exercise uh, realm, but I still really enjoy uh, being creative and I love you know design work and I love seeing creativity um, in all forms and, and even through movement now as well. So well, that answers on like why, you know, obviously movement mm-hmm. and that, but what led you to um, trying to help other people? Yeah, so I guess being selfish, you know, going through my own journey, I carried on to uni because I was... Um, I was really passionate about exercise science. I went into uni and I started playing rugby. I thought I'd just have a season. I'd take it, you know, just have fun. And I actually ended up, I think, because I took that mindset on it and ended up getting into a higher team than I expected. But as a result, I was underprepared going into the season and I actually had a really severe injury to my knee um, where I'd ruptured. It's called the unhappy triad to my ACL, my MCL, and my medial meniscus as well. And um, I had a really interesting lecturer at the time, uh, Jacques and he sort of guided me through the rehab process and I really enjoyed it. He did a lot of testing um, on a regular basis and I could see my my progress improving all the time. So I was like, oh, wow, this is really, really, really fascinating. So I actually started to get a taste on the other side of personal training yeah. and how valuable it was. And we just connected really well as well. And I enjoyed the whole process of that. And I was like, okay, I think I'm going to like this. Um So then obviously I carried on with my uni and as I was going into my final couple of years of uni, I actually got a job as a personal trainer um, at Bodyworks Gym in Wellington, which is a great little gym and a great culture going. Um, And I basically threw myself into it and really, really enjoyed it. Um, I guess what uh, I enjoyed about initially getting into that industry, I was able to put what I'd learned at uni straight into practice. Yeah. Um, and I started to see people's lives changing, um, and it was pretty powerful. So you say that you were able to, you know, put into practice in, uh, your learnings straight away. Mm-hmm. So, like, why do you think there's so many uh, other, you know, uh, people that come straight out of, from university that are unable to uh, get in? good results straight away or do you think that it's an application issue or it's mm. a, what, what's the gap yep. there? I think there's a, a huge gap between the education system. Um, I was lucky enough to have a really, really uh, an awesome lecturer, um, Dr. Bobby Chima actually, who I interviewed in episode four off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and he really empowered me to, to learn how to learn. So um, what's the real information there? Because a lot of the stuff, I actually got quite demotivated in my first couple of years. I think, God, this is recy- recycled crap from the 70s. Because, I mean, well, yeah. for me, going through university was kind of the same. Mm, Sometimes mm. like, well, what do I do yeah. with all this information? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, the Krebs cycle was interesting. And, um, you know, I really do enjoy physiology and things like that. But, yeah, application of the stuff was really lacking, like the actual application. And... I guess Bobby sort of gave me some some tools on how to explore uh, what works in the real world as well. But then applying it was so much different than learning it in a textbook. And I think um, that's the difference. I mean, you can come out with the best qualifications and still not have an idea on how to really connect with someone and get to their deep emotional drivers and um, get, you know, lasting change. Because, <clears throat> you know, obviously health, um, I think, is one of the things that we all really... I don't know if the word is um, struggle, you know, but it's one of mm. the biggest um, challenges. Yep. Um, and so that actually ties really nicely with one of the questions from uh, Anna, one of the other listeners that says, you know, like, how are you doing uh, with the whole practice, what you preach, the thing we all struggle with, and how do you manage life and what can you do from now on to manage this better? Um, I think, you know, it's really good and Mm. 
I agree. can go really good with one of the questions from Paul that says, when life throws an unexpected situation at you, uh, at you, what are your never badge on areas of health and movement uh, that you maintain? Okay, yeah, both awesome questions. And hi, Anna and Paul, thank you for them. Um, yes, I think one of the best ways to lead is to be as well. So I think it's really important to practice what you preach. It's kind of what you preach that's important though as well. So um, first of all, with Anna's question, um, practicing what I preach. So this would have been a very different answer a few years ago because I thought, um, you know, I had to be perfect in every area of life in terms of I had to be so strict on my, you know, my diet, my exercise, my sleep, you know, um, all of those things which are really Your important. Posture. My posture, yeah, which I get a lot of stick for. <laughs> Um, and I guess now what I've realized is, you know, certain, you know, life is, throws up, throws curveballs at you. Like Paul says, you know, there's a, there's a lot of unexpected things that come your way. So understanding the big picture and how everything fits together is important and how sometimes, you know, for example, one thing might override something else. And to me, what I've learned recently is one of the missing elements of wellness is social connection. So, um, I will I will take a slice of pizza um, if I'm with really good friends and I'll enjoy it um, versus you know sit in the corner on my own with a kale salad. <laughs> um, so that's something I've I've changed quite a lot on um, over the last few years. Probably being a parent has taught me that too, to be honest, because I know how observant children are um, and they really pick up on what you're doing. So I think I'm getting a better understanding of that, and I feel like I do practice what I preach. Um, I am definitely uh, not perfect and I'm okay with that now. <laughs> so, you know, just going a little bit deeper because I also had um, this question like, how do you um, choose what to compromise on? Yeah, so that- Because that is something that, I don't know, if I think all of us, we would like to, you know, eat healthy all the time, eat mm-hmm. organic, mm-hmm. Um, sleep eight hours a day, um, work, yep. you know, don't get stressed at work, <laughs> don't bring your problems home. Yeah. And, it all sounds very and, good, doesn't it? <laughs> well, and, well, I think probably at least me and I hopefully um, many others fail at most of the, yeah. <laughs> all of the things. But totally. What do you think is the good, you know, a good compromise? Yep. You know? So I guess that comes back to Paul's question, which I haven't answered yet, which uh, what are my never budge on areas as well? I guess that ties in with that. Um, and... I guess my answer to that is I never say never budge on anything now. So, um, so as far as um, I do have very strong values around health, and I understand that uh, certain foods and environments will tax my wellness um, and, and, and quite significantly. Um, but I do understand, like I said before, that social connection is important. Um, I guess. Something that I want to explore a little bit is life balance. I think that is really open to interpretation. Like everyone says, oh, what about life balance? I was like, yeah, but my version of life balance can be quite different to, um, you know, someone else's version of life balance. Like for me, life balance is not having, you know, a block of chocolate um, and, you know, three glasses of wine every night. Like to me, that's excessive and it's a little bit of abuse, I guess, in yeah. some ways. Um, so my world... Uh, version of life balance would be a little bit different to that but I understand that everyone has their own map of the world as well and everyone's had their own experiences and that drives behavior and so how would you um advise on someone that is you know like struggling and that mm. maybe they don't know themselves that good to know what are the you know the basic needs you know like what mm. would you advise okay. them to start exploring yep. you know what the beast yeah I think that's a that's a great question um so I think that uh, it all comes down to mindfulness. So, um, you know, what do you really want to start with? You know, what do you want in life? Uh, what do you want in terms of your wellness? Um, and then it comes down to, you know, are you actually aware of how certain foods make you feel? Um, do they change your, your, your state of mind? Do they change your energy levels? Um, are you aware of what movement does to your body? Are you aware of what certain social situations, what people you're around uh, does to your health and wellness? Um, all of those things, it can be different for everyone genetically, um, but all of those things are really important to note for you. 
because it is different for every single person and everyone has had different experiences. But like I said, there's a difference between, um, you know, having these things from time to time and really enjoying them um, and abuse. I think there is a difference there. Um, And having a staple microwave meal diet and um, eating McDonald's on a regular basis is not life balance to me. Um, And I I can't personally compromise on that. Um, I, I, w- I won't, unless I, you know, unless I can't avoid that for some reason, um, I will never have, you know, McDonald's because not only do I understand the impact it has on my body and my physiology, but I'm teaching my children something there. Yeah. And also I understand the impact it has on the planet. You know, it's pretty, you know, the, the process of getting from earth to table is a really important thing to understand as well. So I guess uh, that could be a not so much of a budge on subject for me. Foundationally speaking, so what you said before, I think it's important that there are certain things we need to get right. So uh, eat real food most of the time. I always talk about jerf, just eat real food uh, when you can. Minimize processed food. Um, Hydrate is another staple. Um, I think that's really important. Sleep, have some downtime, really important foundations. Um, I guess that comes down to not glorifying busy. I think that's really important too. Um, judging yourself, being aware yeah. of your internal dialogue, I think is really important. So what are you saying to yourself? What are your own judgments? So it's basically stopping mm. and just being present on your everyday yeah. life yep. and what you do, you know, what you're introducing to your body and how you're allowing your surroundings to affect you. Yep. And everyone else around you too, I guess. Mm. Good. That's a good piece of advice. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. The other day, and, you know, sorry, um, related to this, the other day you shared um, this uh, post from Bobby Capuccio, mm-hmm. other of, you know, the people that you had on the show before. I love Bobby. <laughs> and he is, he, he's awesome, actually. Yeah. And I thought it was like um, a great thing because he said, telling people to eat less and move more is good advice. As lifeguards, telling people to drown less and swim more and this is something that you know get me it got me thinking on you know sometimes we are in life you know stuck you know sometimes not necessarily overweight you know people mm-hmm. that are overweight because I mean there's always the, the skinny mm. fat you know some people think like oh I'm skinny but mm. you know so I don't have to worry when actually um, we are in a very unhealthy you know in yep skinny doesn't and, necessarily mean healthy yeah I agree you know, so um, again, where do we start? Mm-hmm. Okay, so where do we start? I, I like that post. I shared that post from Bobby because I, I really don't like a lot of those, you know, those memes that come up um, around, you know, you need it. You know, it's, it's a simple equation: eat less, move more. I was like, no, yeah. it's not. Like, um, it's not. There is. We will all be exactly. doing it, isn't if, it? If it was that, if it was that well, that you know, if it was that easy, the world, the world would be a lot healthier place, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone has had their own experiences and some people need to eat more uh, nourishing food. You know, often if you're talking about overweight people, quite often overweight is a sign of malnutrition as well. As um, Nora Gagalda said, actually uh, obesity is a side effect of starvation, starvation yeah. of nutrients. So I would say, especially after doing some of the genetic and epigenetic work, um, what's right for someone else is not necessarily right for you. Um, and that's in terms of the way you move, uh, the way you think, your circadian rhythm. So when you wake up and go to sleep, when your ideal times are to think and cognitize and create, um, and also what sort of movement and what intensity and how often to move is totally unique to you. Um, but most importantly, you know, asking yourself the why behind that as well, I think is really important. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we forget easily, the why behind it. We, mm. you know, we put ourselves all these big goals yeah. and then we beat ourselves when we don't achieve them. Mm. But I think it's maybe because of that we forgot yep. why are we doing it, yep. which at the end of the day, it's, you know, the most important thing, that journey, you know, like mm. why are we taking yeah. it? And then um, I think as I discussed with Greg Wrightford in the last podcast as well, um, and Bobby Capuccio actually as well, that failure isn't necessarily a bad thing. Failure is an opportunity to learn. So, you know, when we do fall off the rails, don't judge yourself for it. Use it as an opportunity to, you know, to learn from that situation. Okay, why did that happen? Um, 
and what can I do to prevent that from happening in the future? Yeah, I guess that's something that, you know, well, I can understand because I focus or I'm the type of person that, you know, I focus a lot on results, you know, mm. because I we're feel a, that we are judged on yeah, that. We're you know, a results-focused culture. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we are, you know, like, yeah. so you're as successful as your last, you know, like, project or your last yeah. job, you know, like, what was exactly, you know, in numbers, what mm. you achieved rather than, you know, the process the that you had to go through, totally. you know, like, to achieve those results. Totally. And... Actually, if I come back to movement just on that, you know, finding uh, what floats your boat, you know, what what sort of movement, what's your flavor, you know, like um, I'm a bit huge advocate of play. Yeah. Um, and I think actually enjoying movement and making it part of your life is really important. Same with food as well. You know, real food can be, as you know, you know, tasty, healthy, nourishing and, and easy. Yeah. Hmm. Good. Yeah, we'll just get going with the, you know, questions from... Yeah, we've got uh, quite a few here. Yes, <laughs> and I go out of a tangent. So, Caroline Bain, what is the biggest challenge you face and what is the next big challenge for yourself? Okay. Um, hey, Caroline, and thank you for your question. So, I guess the biggest challenge I face, I'm, I'm thinking you're talking here personally. So, uh, I got caught in that trap of being too busy uh, to move, as you know. <laughs> um, and I guess I came, became a little bit of a victim to that. Um, and I started to get into that victim mindset. That was sort of my, my life learning for this year, actually. So I got in, caught in that busy trap of being, you know, busy PT on top of that, have management role, um, doing this podcast, all things I really enjoy. And, and of course, uh, being a father as and well. And having to come home and clean as well. <laughs> yeah, yes, of course, of course. <laughs> I don't neglect those tasks. <laughs> Well, don't comment on that. <laughs> um, and I guess I started um, pushing movement aside, actually. Um, I still ate, you know, well. I was still, um, you know, practiced a certain element of mindfulness in everyday life. But movement really took a back seat. And I started to suffer for it, as you know. Um, and I started to burn out a little bit. And I started to get caught in that trap of, you know, wake up in the morning after a sleepless night with Bubba waking a couple of times. Uh, charging up on some caffeine. I literally became, you know, one of my 90% of my clients. <laughs> and I actually ended up... Uh, but it's good to know for people mm. that, you know, this happens to everyone, yep, you know, totally. that we are all in the same boat mm. and struggling with the same things. Yeah, yep. and I ended up, uh, I'm pretty sure, I pretty much blew out my adrenal glands. I ended up with kidney stone, as you know, which is uh, something I wouldn't recommend anyone go through. Um, and I, and a skin irritation actually for the first time in my life since being, you know, a teenager. Yeah. And that was, and I think we're going to dive into this soon with another question, but, um, yeah, that became my big challenge. I was like, oh my God, okay. Obviously, uh, these things are a reflection on what's going on. These things don't happen by chance. Right. So, exactly. um, so I had to take a step back, you know, step away, step out of the haze for a little bit and say, okay, what the hell is going on? Like. I'm becoming one of these people that don't have time to exercise and I manage and run a gym and a health facility and blah, 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 which is ridiculous. So um, my what I did was I was like, okay, um, how much time do I need to move, right, on a daily basis? Ten minutes. So in between clients, I might do some mobility work, um, maybe some high intensity depending on how I feel. Um, and actually the biggest thing was actually making movement a part of my life. And as you know, you know, I've started throwing – Bub in the in the front pack and uh, taking Brooke with me and we'll go for a bushwalk. Um, and yourself, of course. Um, so I guess I've, I've integrated movement into my life as opposed to uh, doing it because um, I feel like I, I need it. Yeah, and, you know, keeping it separated, you know, mm. which is one of the things that you usually mm. preach. You I know, do. That, I have a big rant you know, about exactly, this. Exactly, <laughs> that movement has to be part of your life. Yeah. It's, you know, part of how you mm. do things. Mm. Not, uh, you know, like separated one hour, half an hour or 15 minutes yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And I guess, okay, my next challenge is to to take that to a, to a new level, actually. So um, especially after doing this, you know, the, the genetic testing, actually, that came out, movement is a priority um, for my bio trend. Um, and I've always kind of innately known that if I move on a daily basis, that doesn't mean high intensity. By the way, that doesn't mean working out. You know, I talk about working in as well. So I might be going for a walk, might be doing some mobility work, some foam rolling, might be throwing a ball around with one of my mates or you guys, uh, might be going for a walk in the bushes, you know. Um, so I guess taking it to a new level now and actually moving um, to the type and intensity that my uh, bio trend is designed to do. 
But sometimes, for example, I think, well, if I think I'm at me, you know, um, how I'm at work, um, it's even, you know, like just moving around the office, yeah. you know, um, with my staff, actually my staff asking me, you know, like to stay quiet, go at the back, hmm. but, you know, yeah. I just need that, you know, like... Opportunities for movement. Exactly, yep. Yep. yes. Integrate it into your life, so important. That's great. Thank great. you, Karen. Great question. I go to the next question from Rachel. What frustrations do you come up against in the health and fitness industry and how do you deal with them? Okay, that's a great question, Rachel, and hello. Um, I That leads off the last one quite nicely, actually, and I started to get on that rant. Um, I, I, I believe the, the fitness industry is changing, but I still think it has a lot to answer for. Um, I still think we're way too focused on body image. And I think we glorify the mesomorphic physique, which is, you know, that that uh, that perfect sort of tapered waistline with the big shoulders, the the, the nice little round muscle bellies. Um, you know, a lot of the celebrities and athletes we see, we really glorify that. And to be honest, that doesn't necessarily mean healthy. And that's not what a lot of people design to look like and be like as well. And that's why, you know, you look at CrossFit, for example, um, great looking physiques for the people that actually make it to the top and they're generally that mesomorphic physique you know the shorter um, physique the shorter limbs the the round muscle bellies the broad shoulders the tapered waist people that are designed to move in that way but Um, what you don't see is the the underside of that a lot of people that don't have that genetic makeup that end up um, you know rupturing yeah injured sick run down Um, yeah so I think that's one big thing I mean most gym most big gyms you walk into is totally focused on body image which you know um yeah it's something i've experienced a lot of um, actually that's one of the things that i really enjoyed about the eight week challenge that you guys had at health fit that it mm. wasn't um aesthetically focused, focused. exactly yeah. you know it was about you know people had different mm. goals around you know gut health or yeah. sleeping patterns mm. and you know uh, more in a holistic way yeah. and what it should be, you know, yeah. rather than how many, you know, centimeters totally. does your waist measure. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, focusing on being happy, um, healthy, and a, an actual decent person, I think, is undervalued. Um, and actually, getting to the core of, you know, why you think you need to look and be like that as well. Is it something you actually want? And if so, then why? Um, I guess also. Um, the gym experience is a little bit disconnected to me, um, and we've created something quite different at uh, at HealthFit, I guess, which I'm very proud of. Um, but you know, going into a gym with you know pumping music and videos playing of sexy bodies again, plugging your headphones in, isolating yourself, even though you're in a, a big environment with lots of people, um, and doing your three sets of ten training, punishing yourself for an hour, hating every second of it, and doing it because you're told it's good for you. To me, that's not healthy, and it's also not a sustainable approach to wellness. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, I'm, I'm actually I'm all for giving people tools that they can apply to everyday life as well. Um, but I think community is important as well, and that's where you know at HealthFit, as you know, um, we've got a great little community going. Um, I mean, we celebrated that last night at, yeah, our, at, our, at our party, <laughs> which is great. Um, but yeah, it's actually just like a big family, which I think is important too. And you look at all the blue zones, the healthiest populations around the world, and that's the one thing they all have in common is that um, that community. Okay, thank you. Okay, that leads into really nicely to one of Sean's questions. Do you feel pressure to maintain a certain body image given the industry you are in? Um, hey, Sean, and yes, um, in the past, actually, this is one a big thing for me, actually, um, especially after my injury um, in, in rugby, I, I felt that need to... To perform and do well at something again, and, and a trainer came up to me in the gym. And he said, "Hey, you've got a you know good-looking physique. I reckon you do really well if you did bodybuilding." So I was like, "Okay, I'll give it a crack." And I end up doing bodybuilding, and I ended up winning multiple you know, national titles and uh, got into some international comp- competition and things like that. So I became really focused on um, you know aesthetics and looking good. So that was the first part of the the battle for me, I guess. And and to be honest, it was a great experience. It taught me a lot around discipline and fortitude and you know following a plan which I think are all important things as well um but yes um and and then combined with my challenges recently Sean um you know with my skin irritation and my lack of movement probably atrophying a little bit losing a bit of muscle um I started to I think judge myself and beat myself up a little bit intrinsically um 
But I, 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 I sort of, once again, I sat back and reflected on this and I was like, well, you know, who do I want to be? And, you know, well, when I die, what sort of legacy do I want to leave behind? Also, like, what's important to me in terms of my health? I want to be healthy for my kids. Um, That's a great, you know, obviously way to see it because mm. sometimes also what I say is that, you know, if we get attached to um, our body, for example, something that is just so... Um, and I, I always think like, I don't know, what will happen if and hmm. I have an accident, for example, on my face, get deformed yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you lose one leg, you know, so then what is life going yeah. to be for you? Totally. You know, like if you're so attached to that perfect body mm-hmm. image, you know, well, like my six pack. Yeah, and, totally. You you know, know, I started it, to identify with myself physically, yeah, and that's a dangerous um, place to be because if you lose that, what have you got, you know? Um, also... Um, I think important to note as well, and this is an interview that Sam O'Sullivan did with me oh, yes. actually on Tough Talk, um, which is a great um, little video interviewing series. That Sam's just a great guy, psychologist anyway, and I'll, I'll post a link to that. But um, we talked a bit about the Superman complex, and I know we've talked about this a bit in the past as well, and how PTs are, well, and it like probably a lot of males, especially in New Zealand, we feel like we have to be this you know perfect person, and that's showing no vulnerability, no weakness. And I'll just clarify now: there's a difference between vulnerability and weakness, because I think vulnerability is a real strength. I think it's. I don't think mm. it's only in New Zealand, but obviously, like our mm. issue that we've got worldwide, yeah. you know, uh, putting so much pressure. Yeah. Um, I think we put different type of pressures like on women and on men, mm. you know, on reaching yeah. this ideal yeah. um, that at the end of the day, what we are doing is just like making people unhappy. Mm, totally. You know, if you can't be this, then you're not worth it. Yep. And um, yeah. I rather mean, than... Yeah, we explored the body image quite a bit with uh, Dr. Verena, which is another, uh, I think is a good uh, episode, actually. She's, she's amazing and she specializes in... Um, you know, body image as well, and being um, the best version of yourself or the healthiest version of yourself versus the perfect version of yourself. And to me, there's no such thing as perfect. You know, you might look perfect, but I guarantee you, there's some, you know, internal torment <laughs> and conflict going on there quite often. So, yeah, yeah it's a really good question. Like, well, what is perfection? You know, mm. that, you know, that's it. That's it. Great. Moving to the next question from Greg. Um, do you, uh, what do you think the next stage is for the health and fitness industry? I know. Uh, thank you, Greg. And I know we talk about this often. <laughs> um, Hopefully we'll stop being, being skinny for a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think um, getting away from um, the values associated with the health and fitness industry, I think in terms of uh, what it's going to become, um, I think that there's going to be a huge role in uh, obviously genetic testing is becoming huge at the moment and technology um, around that is just improving all the time. Um, understanding epigenetic triggers and that's, um, you know, me, me and Dr. Cam talked about that in uh, the last episode. Um, that The technology around that is improving all the time. So I think we're going to see this really interesting fusion between uh, technology and, um, and artificial intelligence and um, human interaction and understanding also our ancestry. So fusing science and ancestral knowledge um, to create um, the perfect um, individual prescription. And that's prescribing, um, you know, food, movement, uh, ideal environment. Um, when, like I talked about before, what sort of... Uh, cognition you should be engaging in and when um, I think it's going to get down to those finer details even what sort of environment is going to be best for you in terms of geolocation it's kind of scary but also exciting I think but on saying that you know I think that there's a bigger and bigger gap so as you're saying you know more technology more Mm. understanding but also at the same time we've got more unhealthy people Mm -hmm. like more and more you know Mm -hmm. like huge population of like heart um, disease, diabetes. Totally. Um, so how are we going to overcome that gap? Because the yep. gap is getting bigger. I know. I mean, that, that the question was, where do you think it's going? Um, but, but if we say, where would I like it to go? Um, I think that's where, you know, the coaching comes into it. And that's getting to the, 
the emotional drivers. So, you know, understanding the why, finding those those whys for that people and actually just making those slow or fast changes, but depending on what motivates you. Um, and as to, I mean, information, we're not short on information, right? No. Like we've got so much information out there. It's like um, what needs to happen is it needs to be digested and uh, communicated in a way that's going to be effective for that individual as well. And that's where I think the coaching is going to come into it. And that's where I reckon the future of the PT is going to be. It's going to be more in a, a coaching and consulting role. Okay, and that's quite interesting because I think, you know, I see more and more, you know, ads, for example, on Facebook about yeah. these apps that if you sign for the app, they will yeah. give you a, you know, yeah, generic programming. Exactly, yeah. a program. And yeah. you know, how does that fit with, you know, what you're saying on, mm. you know, like the need of coaching? Because obviously we've got a lot of information, yeah. you know, scientific studies. Yeah, uh, left, right, center, yeah. Exactly, massive gap, you yeah. know, like with the more you know, unhealthy people under the stress and so on. Yep. And then these like quick solutions, like... Yeah, Every, everyone, uh, yeah, we're a magic pill um, society, aren't we? So we're after that, that one side, uh, that one thing that's going to, you know, turn our lives around, make us happy and healthy. Um, I think those apps and those styles are very dangerous, me personally, because... Like I said before, um, you know, certain types of exercise are going to be really beneficial for some people, but they're going to be absolutely toxic for other people. And just like food, like, uh, and you know, we I talk about this with Dr. Cam in the last episode as well. Like, you know, kale isn't good for everyone, and in fact, some people it's going to be really toxic. So for me, for example, I have to boil it, or it yeah. affects my thyroid exactly. even worse. Exactly. So, um, you know. Um, one size does not fit all and more and more science is suggesting that and also now that we can deconstruct science and why some of them um, you know did show positive negative results when we actually start to look at the population samples um, you can see why they work for some people and not others so I think there's going to be a bit of a turnaround there and I think that epigenetic uh, research is going to be and genetic research is going to be leading it um, I hope that the way it's going to go is going to be communicated in a in an effective and healthy way. <laughs> Good. So, well, I always think, you know, I've got, um, every time I ask you a question, I always think of, like, my friend Tati, you know, I yeah. always think, like, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, Tati. <laughs> yeah, no, but how will, you know, like, Tati will understand this? And mm-hmm. um, so yep. how do you think, because we talk about epigenetics and, yep. you know, like, all this, and we are talking about the gap in the health, you know, industry from, you know, having more information and yep. it being more unhealthy. So where do you think? The, the um, consumer starts. Exactly. Okay. So uh, especially for people that, you know, like you are busy, you know, either with uh, the kids, with work, with everything, yeah. you know, like where do I start reading? Where do I under, start understanding? How do I start, you know, uh, getting healthier? Mm. Um, first of all, I'd say what not to do, and that is to follow insta-famous people. So don't go online and see that someone eating a vegan diet that looks really skinny is the best way to go. Not that I've got anything against vegans, but you know that will work for a certain portion of people. Same with exercise, you know, the Jillian Michaels workouts. Um, once again, they work for some people, but they're going to destroy other people. So just be wary of that. Um, there is no one size fits all. There's a certain amount of intuition. And what I found with the, the PH360 stuff is that it actually reinforced a lot of my uh, intuitive um, thoughts around what works for me in terms of my diet, my movement, even my mindset. It was absolutely like staggering uh, to to see what came out of that. And I was like, wow, I actually already knew this stuff. And some of the things I was fighting my physiology because of some of the quote unquote latest research that had come out showing that say ketogenic diet was going to be the best thing for me or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Another one of these, um, I wouldn't say it's just a trend, but it, you know, it, they can be trendy for some people, you know. Because I think, yeah. you know, like, if, um, you know, we get lost in all this information. Yeah. You know, we got so much information yeah. and we just, like, try everything and totally. we try, you know, I don't know, ketogenic diet yeah. one week, paleo following yep. week, vegan the yep. following week. So, you know, yeah. like, how, know. Do, it's, how it's do we fix overwhelming. this, you know? Yeah, how do we fix it? So uh, find yourself a good coach. Uh, as a big one and find someone who's been in the industry for a, a long time so someone who actually has experience with some academic background and and I think academia alone can be a little bit dangerous as well as you know like 
you can cherry pick studies and, and make your own conclusions that aren't necessarily applicable applicable sorry to the real world. And then someone who's been experienced with little uh, scientific validation that gives everyone the same workout can be a little bit dangerous too. So do your due diligence when it comes to sourcing a coach. Um, but I think there are some great experienced coaches out there. Um, the PH361, the Czech trainers, the PTA Global Certified ones are all great. Obviously, at HealthFit, we've got a great education system going now. <laughs> I might help create it. So, yeah. <laughs> not talking myself up, but um, and there's some, um, there is some good information out there. It's just, it is hard to find, but find it through someone who has had experience either personally or with, um, you know, some good coaching as well. Great. Thank you. So, uh, I will get going or else. Yep. Um, so, question from Brad, Patrick. How do you guys model such positive, lead, um, positive leadership and empathy every day? Do you ever have enough day? Hey, Patrick. And um, that's such an awesome que- uh, question. And thank you so much for saying that we, we model, you know, positive leadership and empathy. Um, I, th- I think, personally, at HealthFit, um, by the way, Patrick is a member of, of HealthFit and, and a great member as well. He's doing some pretty amazing things. I think he got one of our awards last night. Um, so uh, nice work, Patrick, by the way. So I actually genuinely love my job. I really, really do love it. And, and you know, we have worked some pretty long hours. And I know that Greg, Theo and Mish um, and, you know, the other trainers and practitioners here, we all absolutely love what we do. So I think that comes as a byproduct of that. It's not like we wake up uh, dreading going to work in the morning. You know, I, I get to wake up and, you know, I'll go and catch up with, you know, Jane and Anne and, you know, um, have chats to, to people in the class before getting going and we socially interact as we move. So I guess that, you know, that does develop a, a genuine connection with people as well. And I guess the empathy, um, I don't know, like I think that comes from loving what we do and actually genuinely wanting to, to help people. Um, I think that's why we've all been successful in our own way because we're quite empathetic. We understand um, and we feel it too. We feel people's pain and, you know, what goes wrong and right in their lives. We celebrate their successes and we feel their uh, their failures and um, we're always there for them and vice versa on the other, other side of that too. Um, leadership, I guess, positive leadership. Um, we have a very strong set of values at the gym as well and we we did a lot of work behind the scenes uh when creating both uh actually when i created best me but also at healthfit as well and you know transparency um, open communication um were two big ones there and i think having those open and honest discussions with uh our workmates behind the scenes as well has kept us on track it's, it's kept us strong in our leadership roles um and we're still great friends, which is awesome, you know, so. But, and do you think that, for example, being, um, you know, practicing mindfulness mm. also helps, Dear. you know, yep. uh, with being empathetic, you know, like towards, you know, the other person and, yes. you know, how they are feeling? Yeah, yeah. and uh, Bobby Capuccio talks about that again in his episode. And it's, um, you know, when you actually focus on genuinely helping someone, um, you become successful by default. You know, as opposed to focusing on trying to make sales or become a busy personal trainer, um, which you do see a lot of, unfortunately, it's not a sustainable way of, of operating and it's not a gratifying way of operating. If I'm going to be, you know, doing a fair bit of work, then I want to be enjoying it too, right? Um, but yeah, definitely being mindful of what people, how people are responding from, uh, you know, the most subtle ways to the most unsubtle ways. Um, I think there's a definite mindset thing there as well, like not getting caught in. Um, I guess that victim mentality as well yeah. as, as as an individual. So not letting you know life or, or stressors, uh, not seeing stress as a bad thing. You know, stress again is an opportunity to grow. And there's been some really interesting research on this actually around um, your perception of stress versus the stress itself. And um, what's more dangerous is actually, actually if you perceive stress to be a bad thing, then it has terrible physiological effects on your body versus you know seeing it as an opportunity to grow and learn so yeah i hope that sort of fleshes it out a little bit but hopefully hopefully that was some sort of uh, answer pat <laughs> great and we've got one from todd in on what is your take on veganism crossfit veganism yeah and 
veganism. Yep, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> CrossFit and Kane Hamilton being the rugby battler of the year. <laughs> Great question, Toddy. Um, I'm just going to quickly come back, sorry, to, to Pat. I realized I didn't answer the second half of his question. Is that, do you ever have an off day? Uh, yes, I definitely have an off day um, quite often. And it's usually when I'm just feeling absolutely shattered. We might have had a completely, uh, you know, sleepless night. And it always comes after, I don't know, I, I swear that Aliyah knows when we've, you know, we've she watched does. Does. we've watched a movie or I've watched one extra extra episode on Netflix <laughs> on that odd occasion that we actually put that on, and um, she just decides that she doesn't want to sleep that night. So that day can be a battle, and then I think about okay, what controllables can I control? I need to keep hydrated today. I probably need to avoid caffeine, even though it's very very tempting. Um, I need to get some good food in me, and I probably try and get some power naps in. <laughs> Um, so yeah, then moving on to Toddy's question. So what's my take on veganism, CrossFit, and Kane Hamilton being the rugby battler of the year? Very controversial questions there, Toddy. <laughs> um, veganism, first up. Um, I think veganism is becoming quite trendy, actually. Um, and I think there's some positives to that. I think that's a sign that people are tarting, starting to take what they eat um, a little bit more seriously, which is yep. awesome. Um so in terms of how it impacts them as individuals and also a, a bit more of an empathetic or, um, you know, value uh, side to that. And that's, you know, how is that impacting on the planet, which is really cool to see. Um, so far, in terms of health, I'm yet to be convinced that it's a healthy approach for a small percentage of the population looking at, um, you know, ancestral um tribes and ancestral cultures there's not many if any um actual ancestral uh vegan cultures that survived long at all um also i don't believe it is necessarily healthy um for most people um i mean i've had a go at it for a while and i felt good in the short term actually i felt really clean and healthy and then slowly um you know my energy levels started to drop my strength started to drop concentration my brain function things like that my mood started to drop as well um and ethically i don't i'm not sold on that either yet i mean i think being a conscious consumer is really important and i think that's awesome also not judging people for making that decision as well uh, at the end of the day i believe that you know life eats life and it always has done um i'm trying not to be controversial here um it will work for some people you know and, and that the epigenetics and genetic studies show that vegetarianism, not sure about veganism, can work for one particular uh, biotrend, um, which is interesting. And I think vegetarian base, I'm not sure if it's entirely vegetarian, but a vegetarian base can work for some people. CrossFit, once again, um, I think there are some positives to be taken out of CrossFit in terms of I love that they've got a really strong culture. I think that's awesome. Community, very, very cool. Um, I think that's a way that the fitness industry needs to move. Um, also, mixed modes of training. I think that's awesome, getting some gymnastics work in there, maybe a little bit of play work, um, mixed up with some Olympic lifting, heavy lifting. Um, maybe the AMRAP style and the competition side will be good for some people, those um, activators or those mesomorph sort of physiques that um, we talked about in the last episode with uh, Dr. Cam. Uh, CrossFit can be really, really good for those people. Um, but unfortunately for a lot of us, it's not going to be beneficial. Um, and Kane Hamilton being the rugby battler of the year, I mean, I can't really argue with that. <laughs> I think you're biased, you know, we, we, I must say. He, um, he's been battling for years, a constant battler, and will continue to battle. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Hamilton thing. I love you, Kane. <laughs> so from Tamo. Why all of a sudden does it seem that everyone is going vegetarian and vegan? Yeah, I, th I think we, we, we just answered that demo, and thanks for your, your question. Um, I think, yeah, once again, just coming back to, I think it's because people are starting to take um, their food more seriously, which is great. Um, that earth-to-table concept, maybe, you know, where is your food coming from? How does it get from the earth to your table? Um, I think where a lot of people miss the boat as well with um, veganism, vegetarianism, you know, where, where is the replacements of that food coming from as well? So, you know, what is the environmental impacts and health impacts of shipping soy, um, uh, legumes, um, maize, corn, things like that from uh, across the other side of the world? Um, how far has that traveled? What sort of impact has it had? 
uh, how has that food been raised and what impact has it had on the planet as well in terms of mass agriculture. So those things need to be taken seriously too. Um, And I think uh, there's some good things coming out of that and I I think we'll see um, some positives coming from vegetarianism and veganism as well. And a question from Bobby Chima, what is your definition of success and mm. how has that changed over time? Bobby, you're awesome and what a great question. <laughs> um, yeah, my my this my definition of success has definitely changed. Um, having eight hours of sleep is right? <laughs> <laughs> Having eight hours is, is success. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess for me, Um, I did have that Superman complex and I was in a very achievement focused mindset growing up. So I felt like I needed to be the best physically, you know, I had to be the best rugby player I wanted to anyway, you know, and I think, you know, I I got some results, right? So I did quite well in my my sport, my bodybuilding, actually my academia, I ended up achieving, you know, um, awards for being the best of my degree. Um, Thanks to having a great lecturer and that's Bobby Chima, (laughs) funny enough. Um, yeah, so that drove me to, um, I was going to say succeed, but it, it drove me to achieve um, where I think now, actually, where I saw that as success, I think there's a financial element to that as well. Um, but now, if I think about success, it is actually positively influencing as many people as possible, um, being a great father, raising happy and healthy children, and I want to leave a legacy that lasts so I think if I can have more of a positive than a negative impact on the planet, then um, that's success to me. And also enjoying the journey as yeah. well. Nice. And now as Frank Ferencic says in his one, episode two, I think that is, is you know living for the seventh generation. So trying to look outside of just myself, you know, how, what, how is what I'm doing right now going to impact, you know, seven generations later. And I think that's a really important note. And that's one thing out of all the interviews that I've taken away, um, that's really, really made me, um, that's, I guess that seed is planted and it's, um, it's starting to bloom. <laughs> mm. I, I will, I will, I, we can talk hours about this, yeah. but <laughs> I'll just get going with the rest <laughs> of the questions. Um, from D Downs, <laughs> what is your stance on intermittent fasting and ketogenic diet? Okay, um, D-Downs, how are you going? Um, so my stance on intermittent fasting and ketogenic diet, um, like I said, I think um, the most powerful combination is that combination between ancestral knowledge and science. And hey, um, ancestrally, there would have been people in that tribe and probably the whole tribe in a community at one stage that would have gone through periods of famine and that would have put us into states of intermittent fasting and a uh, ketogenic uh, way of being. So we would have been in ketosis for periods of time, I believe. Not for long periods of time, though. Um, In terms of uh, clinical application, there's some really interesting research coming out, and I actually explore this um, with Dr. Um, Well, I've got actually I've got a couple of interviews coming out on it soon. We just haven't tidied up uh, (laughs) the editing process yet. Um, But... Uh, Dr. Simon McKenzie um, will be going over this soon. But um, yeah, really interesting around uh, mental health, neurological uh, issues, um, cognitive related um, illnesses as well, Alzheimer's, dementia, some positive stuff coming out on ketosis around that and diabetes, of course. So I think it has its place in terms of the everyday person. um, I think it can be really beneficial to go into states of intermittent fasting for a lot of people and there's there's multiple benefits from it by the looks of it and that is um training different energy pathways um which is good to do also giving the the gut a break and it's actually been shown at the microbiome level to to uh, have a positive influence on our microbiome and our microbiome diversity as well um so i think there are some positives but we're not designed to be in it for long periods of time i think that's a take-home note um, but I'm no authority on that subject. <laughs> okay. Question from uh, Julia. How do you maintain the balance between work and family? Um, I can answer that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. You were going to say Julia then, weren't you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love it. Um, Julia, great, great question. And I think I explored that earlier. Um, I guess 
what we're starting to do now at HealthFit is we're starting to integrate work and family together. Like we're trying to get a little bit more of the family into the work and a little bit more of the, the work with the family so it doesn't feel like a chore. Um, and we are a big family at HealthFit as well. But at the end of the day, I do work currently quite long hours. Um, so how do I deal with that? I guess when I do get home, I try my best. I try and take a little bit of time out when I can just to um, be present and ground myself a little bit. Um, I often do that actually on the drive home. I'll just do it in silence and I'll really focus on um, just getting present again and, and trying to, to let go of that work and any stressors that I was presented with during the day so I can actually enjoy my time you know, with my family, which is, to me, the most valuable time I can have. I have seen, you know, like heaps of people, for example, I don't know, they touch a tree, you know, like in the entrance of the house, you know, like, mm. and that's, you know, the physical, you know, mm. living things, uh, you know, behind, yep. you know, either, you know, like going out uh, to the work, you know, to work or coming yeah, in yeah, yeah. to the house, you know, that. Yeah. And I think one of the th good things that um, you do, and I will answer this for Julia, <laughs> um, is that, you know, he may have sometimes only one hour, you know, when, you know, Alaya is um, awake, uh, when he gets home or even sometimes only half an hour, but he literally, you know, like throws everything randomly on the floor. <laughs> and Strategically. Exactly, you know, <laughs> including himself. And he just plays with Alaya, you know, like for that half an hour, 15 minutes, one hour, it's just that being mm. present mm. and just enjoying every of her gestures and mm. um, so on. And I think that's something that um, you're great at doing, you know, just enjoying, you know, like that uh, mm. moment of whatever that is. Mm. And the other thing is also your cooking, you, know, you get really yes, grounding. Actually, yeah. Um, yeah, well, thank you. Um, do you want to answer the rest of my questions? Because that, that, <laughs> that was probably the best answer so far. Um, that's true. I, I, I absolutely like love my time with my girls and, you know, with my lovely partner as well, who happens to be sitting next to me at the moment. And, you know, I can't get enough of it, you know, because it's time you can't get back. Um, so I don't want to be that guy. I remember actually one of my mentors, Dave Leo, saying to me, you know, when I get home, the person that my kids see is a person I get to know. So if I come home stressed and wound up, and you know t talking and ranting and and thinking about work then that's the person they get to know they're going to think i'm a tired grumpy um work obsessed person and i don't want to be that person you know i want my kids to think and know that you know i love every second with them and i really really do mm. yeah. and cooking yeah great yeah. question so cooking and gardening are two of my uh passions i i, I cooking for me i love coming home yeah uh, you know especially that earth the table getting out in the garden picking my my greens my veggies with my girls actually as well I like yes. I like getting my, my daughters involved and actually cooking either with them or, or on my own I yeah for me it's like you know all of my senses it's my smell my touch my my taste um on that you know like obviously mm. you know um leading by example you know I see Alaya often grabbing flowers <laughs> and eating them so you know <laughs> she's like, a little forager <laughs> Brooke does the same the other day we came home um from a bushwalk and I taught her what um you know she already knows a lot of the the foraged foods that we get but I taught her what Bushman's toilet paper is it's a um a plant we have here and um she obviously pocketed some on the way and and just before I went to bed I, I went to go to the bathroom and I noticed she had tucked some of the leaves in on top of the toilet roll. <laughs> so it's about five leaves. And she goes, Dad, I left that for you so you can use it. I was like, oh, thank you, but I really appreciate that. <laughs> so cute. But, yeah, I think, um, you know, that's that's time that's valuable for me and for the kids as well and for you probably too. Yeah. Right, moving on to one of the last questions from Grant. How or what keeps you personally motivated to continue exercising? Grant, um, thank you for your question. Um, how are you? Um, I don't see enough of you these days. So, um, Grant, for me, I think what I've really realised is movement is just probably one of the most important factors in my well-being, and probably everyone's. But um, and it influences everything. It's sort of like that foundational pillar for me. Um, and what I've done because I, I I love movement. I love play. I love throwing a ball around. I love every aspect of movement i love lifting heavy weights i like doing gymnastics i like my animal flow um i like my calisthenics training um but i guess the big thing 
that keeps me motivated now is my why behind it and that is to 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 keep learning i love learning and kinesthetic learning for me is another form of learning so i like learning different ways of moving and shout out to my my training one of my training buddies aaron burr who is probably the most incredible mover i've ever come across um yeah so we, we have some great little creative sessions there which i look forward to every single week um also i guess the other big thing to note as well is i have as I said before, integrated it into my life as opposed to seeing it as um, something separate. So rather than exercise, it's, it's movement. It's part of my life. I'm moving with my clients. I get outside. Great to see actually last night someone commented that I bumped into. Um, they said, oh, you're that guy that's out on the field, you know, or out down at the beach uh, moving you know, and playing with their clients. It looks really fun. And I was like, yeah, I am. <laughs> it's good to see that people actually pick up on that. Like, oh, yeah, I've started, you know, integrating that into my you know, exercise um, routine as well, you know, so it's, it's quite cool. So it's part of my life now and I really enjoy any element of, of movement. And, and I guess also how you feel afterwards. Yeah, I, I feel great that, afterwards. I, I know for me, I'm better off doing 10 minutes of movement than going and grabbing a coffee now, for example, to pick me up. Good. Yeah. And last question from D Downs. What is your view on the outlook of the human race and planet? Oh, D Downs, always full of great questions. <laughs> also, a, a wise man. Um, this is such a good question and something I literally ask myself every single day. And <laughs> um, I get a little bit of stick for it, actually, for thinking like this. Just quickly, a little story. Um, Actually, you're probably better off to tell this one. <laughs> so, no, I'll say it. So, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was we were driving along, weren't we? And I was just looking into the bushes, and I looked across at Powell. And I said, how many times a day do you look at the area you're in and think to yourself, I wonder what it was like here, uh, you know, one or two million years ago? My answer was, never, Carl, never. <laughs> I never think about that. I actually thought that was a question. I genuinely thought that was uh, what every, uh, everyone does. And I think about it all the time. So I look I look forward, I look back, um, and then I try and be present as well. Um, okay, so where are we going forward, which I think about a lot as well. Like, what's this place going to look like in a million years as well? So currently, um, I, rec- I, I believe, and you can see it everywhere if you really look, that we're at a massive crossroad. There's a big fork in the road right now uh, in terms of the human race and the planet. There's a, a big divide happening in, you know, in the wellness and politics um, <laughs> and belief systems. It seems to be very – there's some polarizing views. Um, I feel like currently the way we are operating – in terms of um, as a culture, society, and as consumers, it's just not sustainable. Um, I feel like it's a self-centered culture, especially in the Western world, um, which I think is a little bit destructive and dangerous. I feel like the media um, has a lot to answer for, um, so I try and stay well away from that. And cultural values, I think, are skewed. What is norm now was not norm to our ancestors, and it's still not normal to the healthiest populations on the planet. Um, like I said, big divide happening. Um, I don't know. In terms of the outlook, I believe it could be positive. Um, where technology is is exponentially improving, artificial intelligence and deep learning uh, is worth looking into. And that is, it's kind of, it's really interesting and it's a little bit scary. Um, but I think it's going to be really positive. It sounds like you know, uh, systems like PH three sixty. I think are going to be Um, huge, huge influences moving forward. Um, There's a huge gap, though, between what our genes are set up for, what our ancestors and the healthiest populations in the world currently are doing and what most of the Western world are doing. Um, So how do we bridge that gap? Um, You know, I feel like currently we're very disconnected. We're fear-driven, socially isolated, materially focused. Um, We're fed on stimulants, and food-like substances, um, where you know we're sedentary, um, we're living longer and sicker, we're kept alive by drugs. <laughs> Sounds very cynical. Um, that's where I feel like we're at as a Western world currently. Um, moving forward with these technologies, I think hopefully we choose a road that our systems and our leaders um, use our multiple intelligences. You know, which which Grant Susalu talks about. 
you know, using our, our head, heart and gut brains, you know, showing creativity, compassion, which I believe is one of the biggest um, lacking intelligences or highest expression of our um, one of our intelligences and courage to address our, you know, our urgent issues and move forward as a um, as a planet, a race and, you know, for every individual. So I think it's positive. I think if we can use this technology in a positive way, um, obviously it starts at the individual. I think we need to wake up a little bit and actually, you know, smell the roses, understand, uh, you know, that every dollar is a vote, um, understand how things are influencing you on a personal uh, level, uh, what your actions are doing, influencing your family and the other people around you, um, and also start questioning, you know, um, perhaps what we're meant to do as human beings. Hmm. Okay. And then lastly, the same question that you ask every, you know, person <laughs> on the show, if you would, uh, well, you can do better than me at this one, you know, like <laughs> if you could leave, you know, like one piece of... Um, Yep, so should I ask myself that question? (laughs) Okay, okay, Carl. So um, I guess if I could leave one piece of information, a question um, or a thought with every single person on the planet, it would be what can I do right now to make the world and myself um, a little bit better? Hmm. A little bit of that, you know, like being, you know. Being mindful, yeah. Exactly. Be, become mindful of your mind, um, you know, how are you talking to yourself, how are you judging yourself, what, how are you judging the world around you, like what's your interpretation, are you judging other people, um, being mindful of your movements, you know. By the way, everyone, how are you holding yourself right now? <laughs> um, being mindful of uh, your food, the earth to table concept, uh, concept and also – uh, yeah, being a, a, a mindful of um, your impact on the planet. Thank you, Carl, for coming into the show. <laughs> I think I will be doing this, you know, again because I had, you know, heaps of other questions that I would have loved to ask you. <laughs> Funnily enough, we do it uh, through um, the program. <laughs> so um, you can ask me um, later. <laughs> that, that's okay. <laughs> um, but well, thanks very much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.